we're live. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. First show. So this is welcome everybody to Shut Up and Scribble. This is the first, the debut of uh, me and JR's new programming show that we're going to be running on the Savon Podcast platform. So today we're going to be hitting our first takes on the 2023 semifinals programming, giving you guys our thoughts. All right. So let's just get into it. Do you want to talk a little bit about semifinals in general? Like what, what we're trying to do here before we get into each event? Yeah. I mean, I think the simplest way to put it is, put it is that this is the test to decide who goes to the CrossFit games. I think a lot of people um, think of it as a screening process, which I think a lot of us do. If there are going to be certain tests, certain tests done are the people that, succeed on the test at semifinals going to be the same individuals that are capable of taking and doing well on the test coming up and they shouldn't just be the random fitness to a group of six or seven tests and then go to the games and do something that's not a progression so essentially we're just trying to find the right people to go to the crossfit games and we're going to determine whether or not this programming we think does that, um, accomplishes that goal. Of, is this going to take the right people? Um, and we're just going to break it down kind of in general. And, of course, we have a limited perspective relative to the programmer. And the yep. programmer can see into the future and has some idea, if not a full picture, of what is going to be waiting for whoever manages these tests well when they get to Madison in August. We can speculate based on what we've seen the open, the quarterfinals, and now with the semifinal programming, what may be coming, and we can be hopeful that there are things that are coming that are challenging, but that the athletes who succeed in this to, to this group of tests have a high likelihood of being able to overcome. Do we have to read these now ourselves? Oh, the donations? <laughs> yeah. Who does that? <laughs> We dude, need I AI guess, to read them out. <laughs> dude, chat GPT for the donations. This is already, I mean, this, I mean, this is already a comment from Barry simply because, as Brian just said, the programmer also knows details that we do not still about these tests. Yeah. And I, that goes along with Barry's comment. We don't know if the pirouette, if the pirouette do, th- do three pirouettes in one box mm-hmm. or if they're going to be do a pirouette. Handstand walk. walk 25 feet, do another, another one, one, handstand yeah. walk again, do another one, handstand walk again, walk again. That's what I think we're likely to see, but all right, let's get into it. You ready, Brian? I'm following your lead. All right. <laughs> Workout one, let's bring it up. Test one. How dare, how dare you? Oh, yeah. Did I say workout or event? Test. Test one. All right, so test one, individuals, for time. We got a 3,000-meter echo bike, then 84 feet of a hand-over-hand sled pull, then 2K or 2,000 meters on the air runner, another 84 feet of a hand-over-hand sled pull, 1,000 meters on the ski erg, and then finally a 92-foot hand-over-hand sled pull. General thoughts, JR, Brian? Are we sure it's a sled? Pull that back up. Well, that's a good question. Hand over hand pull. Wow. Because this is an element of, you know, that we'll see throughout many of the workouts. You can read them one time and you might 
you know, I have specifically thought about one or two of them in a different way than after I read it two or three times, mm. where I had a conversation with someone that directed me to a little nuance of the way that it's written. And there's a chance that there's, you know, there's, there's, n- that there's not a reason that they wrote it the way they did, but there's also a chance that they did write it that way intentionally. Well, let's speculate. What could they be pulling if not a slip? Return of the turtle. Oh, wow. From Rogue. <laughs> yeah. So they could just load that up, load that up, and whatever the weight was, 180. And they could do that. It may make more sense. You've got, you've got what, I think is the material that those sandbags, sandbags are made of against uh, um, Surface Co. Company flooring. Brian's been down on a floor and felt it. I've never, I don't know what that feels like. If it's comparable to uh, stall mats, if it's comparable to roll, roll of rubber flooring. But that might take away some of the, oh, yeah, like my sled was just stuck and it really couldn't, really wouldn't move. There'd be no need for a concrete surface, a turf, turf surface. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really cool specul- speculation. And, and the flooring is a, you know, obviously a critical component anytime you're pulling something. And in particular, if it's a sled or something where friction matters, it's interesting that this, to me, it feels like this pull has to be somewhat difficult to yeah. account for the time period that you're going to be spending on the machines relative to the total working time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not sure that this is one that the comparison event to event is going to be that uniform or, comp- or competition to competition, because I, I don't know how you can guarantee the same level Service. of friction in California as Orlando, as um, you know, wherever it is in Australia, and, et cetera. And, you know, truth be told, the temperature and humidity play a role as well. Humid, humid rubber mats, quite a bit more difficult than a dry rubber mat. I, you know, we talked a little bit, JR, you mentioned how you weren't sure if they would be pulling it on like the concrete floor in between the lanes or the spacings like they had in previous year's regionals. And I tend to think that that's likely not going to happen just because that would make it so much easier on that smooth concrete. And then at the same time, look at from event to event or venue to venue is that underneath uh, surface going to be the same. So I, I would imagine it's going to be on rubber. And the turtle's an interesting speculation. It may not even be a sled, and that's something I didn't even think about. Will, you bring that workout back up? JR, thank you. We still can hear you. Yeah, I can bring it back up. Okay. So, Brian, I think looking at the workout, I wrote down a couple things. We talked about, you know, the format. I would call it a chipper, and I would – I would call it a heavy chipper um, due to the hand over hand sled pull weight. And I guess it's my assumption that it's going to be heavy and pretty important in the workout, maybe even a linchpin. Um, what would you call it? You, you putting this in the chipper category? Yeah, I think it's okay too. Um, but in, and in terms of the kind of the sticking points in the workout, to me, that run jumps off the page. Yeah. I mean, yep. once you figure like we're going to see in the first round, that there'll be athletes who pull the sled or the turtle or whatever it is fairly well. And there'll be some that struggle with it a little bit. You'll settle. I think that in the run, you're going to basically like settle into a, a pack. Like by the time you get there, you'll kind of know these are the guys that move this sled as well as me. And then, but it's tough when you're on an air runner, like you don't necessarily know how fast the person on your left or right is going. And if there yeah. are a few lanes down, you really have no idea. So you have to know, I think that if you have the chance to test this one can be really critical for the athletes to know how hard can I push on this run Mm. and still do the back, you know, third of the workout. 
anytime you see over a mile of running in a workout, I think it just screams as that's a huge part of the workout. I mean, I think realistically, all of the monostructural elements are pretty important. Maybe the skis the least important. Um, Ooh. I mean, depending on depending on how much. Yeah, the pulling, the pulling on the sled, but I just think time under tension. I think the runs probably. I don't know. I think there are going to be a lot of people that that make or break the workout on the run. Can you recover after going really fast on the run or are you laboring away at a slow pace and not able to make up ground or just falling behind? You're thinking that ski is really important just based off of the amount of hand over hand pulling in combination with that. Yeah. Like to me, I think the run, like the back half of the run is where the workout's going to start to take shape and you're mm -hmm. going to start to see maybe who's in contention or not. But I do think you'll see some people um, disrespect the sled ski sled so those three movements being back to back, uh, yeah, yeah. I think you're you're gonna see some people implode on the last 500 meters of skiing, and then get to that last hand over hand, do halfway, and just almost get to lactic threshold, and then someone else will pass them at the end. And that's that's interesting because then that brings into conversation the sled technique and what the standard is for pulling it. I mean, me and you talked a little bit about yesterday that hip drive technique where you have a double grip and your arms are extended and you pull the rope to your hips while you extend your hips and then reach and get more slack. And for me, I can pull like that all day and it's almost entirely metabolic rather than becoming muscular fatigue at any point. So well, this is like, you know, in some of these workouts, we'll see that it seems like details were omitted. In this case, a specific detail was included. It, it says hand over hand. And, and if it's, if it says hand over hand and it's not hand over hand, why, why would you write it that way? If it is hand over hand, how are you planning to mandate or enforce that? Mm -hmm. What happens if I start doing that hip thrust? What's my, what's the, what's the judge's directive and how to address that with me? I, I wouldn't even know how to begin to standardize that. I mean, JR, you did it at crash. Yeah. I think the people who have reached out to me to ask me what we use for the standard, I've, told them that we made the athletes keep their feet on a red line. Mm -hmm. So they were not allowed to walk backwards and use their counterweight to pull the weight at any point. Other than that, as long as their feet stayed on the line, they could use any technique with their hands that they wanted. What we did tell them was if their feet ever came off of the line, they would have to go down and push the sled back to the last 10 foot section they completed and then continue their pull. I, and I like that. If you are able to put some 10 foot markers or eight foot markers or whatever on the floor, and if you deviate from the intended standard, which reads as hand over hand, that that's a penalty. You got to go back out on the floor, push it back to the last one you successfully mm -hmm. completed it and then pull. That's exactly what I'm talking about. If that's something that's been thought through and there's an easy to understand and enforce penalty for someone who deviates from the expectation. I love it. And push there's the not. I'm yeah. concerned. I think, I think if that's the case, and, and at the same time, pushing the sled is going to be a whole lot harder than pulling it on rubber anytime you have any downward pressure on it. Like if you think just simple mechanics, if you hook the, the rope up to it and you're pulling, there's no pressure downward on the sled. It's all directed this way, whereas if you're pushing in, in, in any way, there's going to be downward pressure. It's going to make it a lot harder. And if Bro, it's a turtle, you, you got to pick it up and take it back. <laughs> what do you guys think about the flow on that? Do you think – that the echo bike and the ski will be on one end. And then on the other end, you'll have the runner. There'll be a rope attached to both ends of whatever the object is they're pulling. They'll get off the bike. They'll run down. Yeah, probably. They'll pull. They'll get on their runner. They'll run back down. They'll ski. And then they'll pull to the finish. That makes the most sense. 
it, it possibly the the thing is if there's you, the way you're describing it, there's a rope on both sides of the object right so as i'm pulling it from you know i, I would do my uh, bike i go down the other floor i'm pulling it that other rope is it going to be like how confident am i that it's going to uncoil in the way that i want it to not get in the way of someone else is not not up and be dragged to the side so that what i think is more likely is that there's one that there's the layout that you talked about with the the bike and the ski near the rig and the runner near the finish line and you bike the ropes already laying there for the first one you pull it down you do the run you walk the rope your own rope back down and it's somehow it's on this object it just swivels easily like if it's a pull. turtle then that eliminates that <clears throat> i know but that i'm saying like if you're thinking about logistics of it yep. these are things that you'd want to implement it could be that it's like a carabiner and there's a loop on one side you unloop it you put it on the other side and then you walk it all the way down you pull it back you finish the ski you walk it down and then the extra eight feet is to pull it not just to the first line but all the way across the finish line we can probably assume it's going to be none of these i wonder you know it's <laughs> likely the dog sled or Actually, I actually think wonder, that one on the right, similar to the rope chipper sled. You, you think so? Uh, and if that they swivels did that, pretty easily. It swivels pretty easily. So if you're just turn, <clears throat> if you just get like if if you run down to one end and it's facing the other direction, you just give it a tug and it spins towards you. Yeah. Or if there's just there's that one lip on this one. If there's a dual lip, if there's a lip on both mm, sides, and you mm. can hook that thing in and out, then you could do it the way I just described. Yeah. Yeah, whatever the sled or whatever the object is that they're going to be pulling hand over hand, I think what we can assume is that when the workout is over, I would be shocked knowing Boz's like um, affinity for odd objects and his interest in strongman. I would be really surprised if we walked away saying, oh, the sled really didn't matter or the pull really yeah. didn't matter. I think that it really will matter. It will. Could it be the, the alpaca sleds? I, th I thought about that if he was like, yeah, let's bring the alpaca sled. But I don't think they could get him everywhere. That's yeah. It would be cool, but I don't think they could do it. What do you think JR about the, the meters for the echo bike versus a calorie? I mean, I know they couldn't make it look pretty in that format, but could they put it somewhere else? Uh, to me, just whenever you're doing specifically that machine for distance and not for calories, the amount of time that you're going to lose or gain from five rpms less is is almost negligent negligible yeah and, and i don't think that should ever be the issue i i told someone the other day I, I would be okay if we never did anything for distance again on a machine and it was only calories aside from running where they just ran not on a machine sure yeah yeah um and you know we can get to this later talking about the first and last event having echo bike and while sometimes there isn't another substitution i think there's a lot of utility with biking in general. Yeah. Um, first event last year, right back, uh, you know, was bike to work. Um, I was kind of surprised seeing the last workout that the echo bike wasn't just biker and it wasn't just biker runner skier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's probably a handful of people. There's a handful of competitors that this is an event they're going to win. And whether they think there's another test in the weekend that, they're not looking so much forward to there are going to be a handful that don't care about just getting off the bike at the same time as everyone else. They're going to push the pace. They're going to dictate pace from the beginning. And I think they will be a little bit more aggressive. Time domain. I think it's going to be high teens are going to win it unless the sled, really? 
plus the hand over hand is just way harder than I am giving it credit for. And it's, it's easy to be wrong because we really don't know anything about it. I, I think it's, I, I still think it's high teens. I think it's probably mid twenties. <clears throat> what? Have you had anybody? Well, I don't know, man. I, I can't. Like this, JR, what are you allocating for each spot? Okay, okay. Well, we're, here's here's the other thing. Here's the other thing we have to we have to notice. It's the same distance for for men and women. Yeah. So on the skier and the echo bike, especially, the times are going to be a bit different between women and men. So I think we can assume women are going to be a little bit closer to the cap, and men will not. I think women are most likely mid mid twenties. JR, if you look at, if you were looking at this, what would you allocate for each of these? If I just did four eight four on the machines, and then three minutes for the sled, that's nineteen, right? Three minutes, three a minute for each sled. Correct. Yeah. And I hope that it's longer. I hope it's more like each sled takes two minutes or each sled takes three minutes. But doing a lot of hand over hand, doing a lot of hand over hand at different weights, seeing a lot of competitors do it too. I mean, there's some people that can can do 90 feet in, you know, less than 30 seconds. I, I don't think there's going to be anyone in this field that can really manhandle it like that, but who knows? It, yeah, but, but I mean, when you've seen that, that's been on turf, yeah? Uh, or or Brent on the last sled, hand-over-hand sled at the games, which was, what, five blues maybe, six blues? And what surface was that? Yeah, and that was a tennis court. So, yeah, I, I think we can assume this is going to be – this is going to have the most friction of, of any pull that we've seen in a competition. Yeah. I think it's going to be pretty heavy. I mean, I looked at it and I, I was like, okay, that's a heavy implement. Yeah. The, the, the answer to this question is it depends on what you're pulling it across, how far you're pulling it and, and whatever else. But I do think that it'll be relatively heavy and there'll definitely be some people that struggle with it. Um, yeah. I was thinking that on the, on the far end Taylor, that like, um, where JR said four eight four, I was thinking like five ten five would be like the upper barrier or the mm. slowest barrier for for most of these athletes, and that leaves ten minutes to figure out the sled, which seems like a lot of time to me. You know, so I think everyone, like I think the intent with this time cap is for everyone to finish or get damn close to okay. it. Yeah, and I really like that because Boz has talked about it before, but having a really long workout where some people can just wait on the time cap and maybe save some of that upper body pulling. Like, oh, I'll just, I'll just kind of take it easy. And that last 94 feet, I don't have to deal with. And then when I get up on the rings, um, I'll feel it less, you know, than, than all these people that crush themselves just to finish that last hand of hand play. Do you think there's like a linchpin sticking point of the workout? I, I, I feel like the run, the run generally and then also the hand over hand sled pull. I actually think it's. I think the workout's going to start on the ski. Okay. Per, I I think what, more of along the lines of what you said a little while ago, Jr. I think that towards the back end of that run is where the athletes are going to start to have to make a decision about it. You know, what, how hard they can push or not. But I I think most of the athletes will manage the ski. I think we're going to see some people that the thing you described happens on that last sled. And they will get passed not just by one person, but I bet we see people in heats get passed by several people. Good workout overall. I like it. Yeah, I really like starting the workout. I mean, I, programming competitions, uh, you know, once I've put the long on Sunday just to mix it up a little bit. But I think in general, it's good to set the tone with something long early. I like that too. 
Brian, does this qualify for your long workout? I think if most people are going to be hitting underneath your time that you laid out, right. That you'd wanted to see. Yeah. I was hoping for like 25 plus for everyone, 30 plus for, for some, I think this is going to more be along the lines of what JR is expecting, you know, 19 to 22 kind of for the men and maybe 21, 22 to upwards of, of close to the time cap for some of the women. I put 18 minutes in that article or 18 minutes or more. So I think this ma- this makes me happy for the long test. I don't know. Uh, it all depends on the sled. I, f- I feel like it's not, I don't, I don't feel like there are going to be very many people going sub 20, but we will see. What's going to be really interesting, not to try to jump ahead too much, but is Linda going to turn into like the second long workout? Is it going to turn into people getting time capped and people taking 16, 17 or getting capped? And then then we have two workouts over 15. I think Linda's going to be longer than the 2018, Linda. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Let's go. Oh, yeah. let's go to... Jump into two. Yeah, let's go to two. What do you think? Intervals. I love it. You want to read it out? Yeah, so we got – Test two, as many reps as possible in three minutes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it out the way I would have fucking written it because I get really frustrated when I just see that one block. So it's going to be three rounds of three minutes of work, one minute of rest. So the workout's going to end at the 11-minute mark. There's going to be nine total minutes of working time, two rest intervals in between the first and the second interval. So we have three rounds, three minutes on, one minute off, or three minutes on, one minute off, or three sets. You're going to buy in each interval with five ring complexes, and that's going to be one toe to ring, one muscle up, plus a ring dip. So I think what I'm assuming is that you're going to jump up to the rings. You do a toe to ring, you do a muscle up, and after you lock out at the top of the muscle up, you re-dip to the shoulder and then perform a ring dip, and your rep is complete. And that's one ring complex. You have five of those. Then you've got 20 alternating single leg squats. So it doesn't say alternating. So maybe it's 10 on the right, then 10 on the left, like the team's. That's something we can speculate on, but we got 20 single leg squats and then max burpees over the box and men are going to wear a 20 pound ruck, jump to 30 inches or get over 30 inches. And women are going to wear a 10 pound ruck and get over 24 inches. And again, it doesn't really specify how we're getting over the box. So score is going to be total number of burpees at the end of all three rounds. Well, well, yes. It says as many reps as possible. We don't know if they're going to count the 25 rep buy-in or not. So okay. the yeah. score could be, but you know, ultimately, yes. Whoever does the most burpees over box will win this workout. Yeah. Jr., what do you think about that first piece, the ring complex? Do you think I'm reading it correctly? They perform a muscle up, and the muscle up is finished when you lock out, and then they go back into an additional ring dip. Absolutely. I don't think there's going to be any requirement to have the ring make contact with the bicep or the shoulder on the muscle up portion. But absolutely, that's what I can imagine they'll be looking for on the ring dip part. It doesn't say it has to be strict. So I assume that most people are going to be practicing it both ways. Hmm. But I think kipping would be a fair assumption there. How do you think they're going to standardize that? You know, last time we saw them, they had the red strap in competition in the back of your shoulder blades had to touch the red strap at the lockout. Is that 2017? Yeah, and that's the last time we saw ring dips. I, I don't I don't expect them to have that strap up there because of the muscle up. <laughs> muscle up, yeah. So um, <laughs> Yeah, that that'll be 
that'll be interesting to hear what they what they're told on Thursday, right? Um, because that's as far as we know when all the rest of the details are going to be announced as far as movement standards and and workout flow. What jumped out to me in this workout after seeing all the tests come out is that although there are three tests that have running, that have bounding, we have no jump rope. And I was one of the people that initially said, oh, I think these burpees are get overs, like 2017 finale, assault bike, burpee get over, 30 and 24. Using the hands. Sandbag to shoulder, right? And I thought that there would be great interference there, right? You're hanging for about 40, 45 seconds. Then you do some pistols. Then you go to the burpee and you press off the ground and you press onto the box. So there's just so much interference there with pressing, right? You've got the muscle up, the dip, the burpee, and the get over with the hands. But after seeing no jumping and knowing how much Boz values that, I'm starting to think that they may be box jump overs and with, not with, with no Even, touch or just ju- touch the feet at the top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, just games boxes, you know, wider boxes, but no use of the hands and jump instead. The only thing is just like that terminology, right? For the teams, it says box jumps alternating. Here it says burpee over box. The word jump is not used at all. So I, I think that's purposeful too. Like, you know, Brian said, I think that there may be something to the coyness of leaving certain words out and making people wonder. And it's the same principle can apply to the pistols or the single leg squats is that the way they were written in the teams, we understand to mean that you're doing all of them on one leg and then all of them on the other leg. I mean, that's what it says, like one leg, two. Here it says 20 single leg squats. And the, the contrast implies a difference. So it doesn't, even though it doesn't say alternating, because they wrote it that way for teams, it seems strange to me that they would write it this way and and then mandate one leg than the other leg do you think that they would allow people to just go straight through a round on one leg and not do any on the other no i don't think that they would allow that no i but i'm saying i think that they would have written 10 10 single leg squats leg one 10 single leg squats leg two if it was going to be that way so we can assume it's alternating <laughs> i think we can I assume think, it's I, not I, 10 and 10 <laughs> Maybe they do five on the right, advance five on the left, advance five on the right, advance five on the left. Who knows? And maybe, yeah, I, with, the, maybe with the ruck on, it makes sense to, to force them to do five in a row instead of ten in a row. And I like they, that. They found in, te- in testing that ten was too difficult. Too aggressive, yeah. Yeah. Um, Taylor, is, is, this, is this remnants of 2018 triple threes, mono, mono, mono? We have that in test one with some weightlifting in between. Do you, do you consider this GGG or do you think this is still not GGG because they're moving and the put on their body? It's a gray. I, it's a gray area to a degree. I think when we think weightlifting in the general sense, at least the way CrossFit describes it, is that's moving an external object around your body. And when you're putting a weight vest on or a go ruck on, you're not moving it around your body. It's becoming part of your body and you're still moving your body through space or around another object. So I would still consider it gymnastics. I would consider it a triple G workout, a triplet. Um, gymnastics, gymnastics, gymnastics for sure. Brian, are you, th- are you guys thinking a minute for burpees for the fastest people or 90 seconds for burpees? I think between, I think, I think for the best 90 seconds for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that too. That's a lot of burpees. It's a, yeah, it's upwards of 
upwards of maybe 20 around 60. I, I, I'm really curious about the sustainability across three rounds. Like yeah. I, I think the best people can certainly get to the burpee box, get over or over box in 90 seconds in round one. <clears throat> but I don't know. I like, I don't know what the fall off is going to be. Is that 90 seconds going to be 95 seconds in round two, or is it mm-hmm. going to be, you know, 110 seconds? I, that's interesting. I, I wrote the question, what is this testing for this workout? And I put in there gymnastics, pulling, squatting, and I put in recoverability. And I think the athletes who train intervals are high power output, high power output, recover for a short period of time, consistent high power output, et cetera, repeat, they're going to do really well. Um, I think there will be athletes that hold a really similar pace, but at the same time under competition, when you're forced into an intensity that's higher than something, you know, you can recover from. I think we're going to see a lot of people fall off and a lot of people blow up for sure. One of the things I'm really going to be looking out for is, you know, when, when, if you see this workout without the ruck, then everyone says, well, you know, this is going to favor the smaller guy or to favor the lighter guy or favor the more nimble guy, you know, which is typically the smaller athlete. And what I don't think a lot of people really understand is that once you add a vest or once you add a ruck, what you've done is actually given the bigger athlete more of an advantage than they would have had previously. If you go out on a run and you're 195 pounds and I go out on a run at 175 and we both wear a vest, that's going to beat me up much more than it's going to beat you up. And I think that people who are already on the heavier side, they're going to feel that external load a little bit less than someone with shorter stature. I really think it's kind of clever in that way that it is kind of balancing what a lot of people would see as a small, small athletes workout. And do you think it's right to balance a small athletes workout with the balance it more towards the heavier athletes when you have something like Linda or something like the first workout or the max snatch? Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a podcast in its own, right? Cause we could go through these. And I think what we'd find is that we'd maybe be two to one, you know, is the competition overall, a little more biased toward weightlifting is a yeah. more biased toward gymnastics. But, I mean, you know, we can go over that when we get to six and seven, because when we get to, when we get to six, that's when it, that's when it starts to shift a little bit to me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys remember the workout fast, like an Oryx from Dubai this past December, mm-hmm. four sets, two thirty on one, one minute off shuttle run burpee over box. I think it was, or jump over box and then some dumbbell thrusters, but it was, when I first saw this workout, I was, you know, and I don't know how hard the ring complexes will be. I mean, at varying degrees of difficulty, obviously. And then will, you know, will the pistols uh, throw off some people with the weight in the back? I don't know. Um, but I, th- I thought I was like three rounds. Like, I think there's going to be really small margins of error in three rounds. I think if you make this four rounds, even if it's 30 seconds less per round that you're going to like, I feel like that extra round would have made a difference. Do you guys think I'm totally off the mark on that? So if we go based on what Taylor's saying, and let's just say like 60 burpees wins it, right? Okay, let's just say that. So that's 60 pressing reps with the ruck. And then with the intervals, they'll do five complexes. So 30, each, 30 they'll, dips. They'll do two dips. So they'll do 30 and 30. Yeah, there's some trunk flexion there. There's some, there's some crunching getting off the floor. Um, I mean – for some people, depending on their mobility, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of trunk flexion doing the pistol. Um, I could see it going either way. 
where they get done is like, ah, oh, that should have been one more round to really show some separation or no, like the, the local stamina of that musculature by round three, we saw who was really in contention and who was just trying to hang on. I, I, I just think the five complexes with only a minute rest after going, you're, you're going to have to go fast on the burpees. Yeah. I think that it's probably going to be really sneaky with how many people I, start those. I think three is okay. And I think there's a handful of people in the world who would have liked four, but they're going to be able to show plenty of separation on three. I think, I think someone like Pat Vellner or someone like Mal, like those people are going to be able to show a lot of separation in three. And I think they're good enough at recovering that they would have been able to continue for four, but I don't think four is necessary for the field. I think three, I think three is fine. Well, and I, you know, I, I guess like, and it always comes down to, you want to look at the totality of the test. Are you hitting specific time domains, whatever, but you, you know, if you made it four intervals and I would, I would just be curious and maybe we'll see, um, you know, a testing behind the scenes or something on this. Eventually, if I had made it four rounds, I would have reduced everything a little bit four complexes instead mm -hmm. of five, 16 pistols instead of 20, whatever. And be, and the main reason is because I would have wanted that third rest interval. Like to do, you know, after one rest interval, you're like, you know, it's only two rest intervals. You have third rest interval in there. I feel like it changes things a little bit. And maybe I'm overthinking it, but it was just a thought that I had. What's really cool too is, you know, we talked about not having a whole lot of data to like see maybe what some, um, tendencies are from boss from a programming standpoint and i think here even like if you think back and maybe i'm just trying to draw these conclusions but a lot of people said that with hat trick right they said ah make it one more make it a few more wall balls or maybe a few more snatches um and the workout's better and even with maybe the skill speed medley right that was just three right that was three three chances right there was two eliminations and then the end and this is three. And some people are wondering if three is enough. So I, again, I think we come back to the primacy that's being put on execution, not having any no reps. And when it's time to move, you have to move and you have yeah. to take. This. Do you think any athletes go unbroken on all three rounds on the rings? I do, but I think it's going to be very few. Man, I, I don't know, dude. 20 with the ruck for men. I'm thinking for me, that'd be really hard in the third interval. The amount of time we're talking about the workout in different ways, I think probably speaks to how good of a workout it's yeah, going to it's, it's balanced. I love it. I love the workout. I just and think that's so much time under tension on the rings. I, did. I, I wonder if – I think the last workout is so fast that even though you're cranking on the handles, even though you're doing 20 fast toes to bar, and even though your grip is being fatigued there – I think that this may end up being the grip test. Mm, I, I think, yeah, for sure. But I think that's, I think this is intended to be maybe the first part of separation. So yeah. people that just can't hang on the rings that long. Okay. They're out. You've got some people that fall apart on their pistol cadence. Okay. They're out. And then for the people who are the best, it's just who's the fittest to do burpees without stopping. Yeah. We did, we did in, uh, you remember the speech town throwdown in 2020 they had in the finale, a workout that started with 10 ring complexes. It just was minus the dip. It was one total ring plus one muscle up for 10 reps. And I think in the, it, so it was that, then you did like a dumbbell, some fucking like a death march, a dumbbell deadlift walk, then handstand walk back. And then you finished with another, it was a pretty, that, that movement was a little dinky, but then you finished with another 10 reps on the rings. And 
they're brutal. And I don't think a ton of people train them. I, I feel pretty good because I've had, you know, a bit of experience with these movements and these complexes, but I don't know, dude. And, you know, obviously people, people talk about loose, the hero workout being done at Wadapalooza years yeah. back. And a lot of the athletes that I've reached out to have all told me, and even, and even Andrew has told us um, in the chat that, Hey, like, these are not like doing vested muscle ups. No, so and the ruck really, really changed the the timing of the turnover. And a lot of athletes that do a really good job staying long and staying hollow and really snapping over on a muscle up may be um, struggling a little bit more than the athletes that tend to pull through the rings more and transition a little quicker. So yeah. that'll be interesting to see too. The people who we just know of as being the best at muscle ups, are they the ones that do the best on this workout? Or is it really just the guys that we know have amazing grip endurance? So or- typically me and you talk about, when we consider a ring muscle up more of a pressing movement. Like I think for me, if I'm going to fail a ring muscle up, it's never going to be on the turnover or the pull. It's always going to be on the press. Do you think this changes that? I think for me, it does. I think it turns it into way more of a pull. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just think it turns into a who can continue to hang. Hang on, yeah, yeah. Okay, I love it. I love this workout. Think so far, first two pretty solid. In, end of day one. So we talk about the uh, possibility of thirty weighted burpees and thirty weighted dips, and then what do they do first thing Saturday? They got to do fifty-five bench press, right? <laughs> Heavy as fuck, too. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's go to it, Will. Linda, semifinals, Linda. Do you I, like this I, picture selection, by the way? Uh, I, I, like, <laughs> I don't like how they only have three athletes depicted across Beth. the seven or four. I love Chandler. So, yeah, good picture. I love this picture. Yeah, that's know. a good picture. He looks fucking yoked. That's what you're going to look like after this workout. <laughs> um, and I like the name, too. Like, I like in 2018, they called it Regional Linda. And I like now it's a little bit different, and the format's a little different, and they call it Semifinal Linda. So I like that. It's 10 down to one, 10, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one reps for time of deadlifts at the same, or the, the women's weights changed a little bit. Yeah. So, um, same weights for men though, on the deadlift, 295, 220 for ladies, then dumbbell bench press nineties for guys, sixties for ladies, and then squat cleans, 145 for men, 105 for women. I think screams bench to me. Bench, and for the people who can bench, who can cycle the barbell on the squat cleans fastest. Yeah, and I think what you were talking about earlier, you know, the the dumbbells are, the total weight of the dumbbells is lighter than the bench press was. But I think it's going to be more demanding, more time so consuming. Yeah. And we don't, um, we don't necessarily know the standard that will be enforced there of where does the rep begin, where does it yeah. end. And, and think of this too. You've, it, it, in 2018 on Regional Linda, you failed a bench, spotter picked it up off your chest, back in the rack. You fail a bench here, you're fucked. Your dumbbell goes bouncing into another lane. You got to get up, go get it. <laughs> like, dude, you're just, this is going to be, I cannot wait to watch this. Yeah, I think this is going to be really interesting too. Um, we know there are a handful or maybe a couple handful of athletes that are like, I'm only going to put the dumbbells down and pick them up when the set starts and the set's over. Yeah. But for most people, they're going to have a breakup strategy. What's going to be interesting to me is as nuanced as at one time being smooth on touch and go squat cleans, who can pick up and put down the dumbbells smoothly 
and be able to get right back to it without fumbling around with them. Who's like, played around with it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in a workout that has, you guys can ch- check my math, but what, what is that? Is that 30 transitions total? The transitions matter in this workout. Yes. Like, it's the fourth it, movement, basically. It's the five, four, three, two, one. If everything is spaced out on the floor like it was in 2018, there's a fourth movement to this, and it's running, right? It's like like th- those transitions, running back to the bar or walking back to the bar in the early rounds versus the later rounds, like those will really start to matter when you get to the five, four, three, two, one. You've only got 15 more reps to go of each movement. Yeah. I, I Man, I think – I was just thinking about on the dumbbell bench press, like breaking strategy or people who played around a lot with benching dumbbell benching in particular and bringing them down to the shoulders, rocking up, sitting on the knees. And I was just thinking of this workout I did a while ago with 75s and it was like a really stupid amount of dumbbell bench. And at one point in the workout, I just, I had the dumbbells like resting on my knees and my arms wrapped around them, just resting like this for like five minutes to relax my chest. So I think smart people will do that. It's a really smart way to rest. I, I just wonder, are they going to have rules around where you can rest the dumbbells? Where do you have to put them down? Again, you had them in crash. You can speak to that. Yeah, I think we were, we were probably a little bit too strict on the standards there because the close proximity on the turf um, and because the turf's my third child and I didn't want to get damaged that I made people put them down on the pads if they weren't being used. But I do wonder if the feet have to be flat, if they're going to provide plates for the females, if the hips are allowed to come up from the bench, if they're just going to say, Hey, start locked in locked. Other than that, we don't care, which I think sometimes less rules are better when you get to a subjectivity type movement like that. And let's face it. This is a movement like strict handstand pushups where there are going to be people that go to failure. And there are going to be people that are a couple centimeters away from completing a rep, they lock it out with one arm. They don't lock it out with the other arm. But we're going to see that, especially people who aren't in the place they want to be after day one. Because you know as an athlete, you do test one and test two, something happens. You're, you're outside of a qualifying position. Everyone has you pick top five going into the weekend. You start to press. And instead of doing your breaks, you're like, I'm just going to go for it. I feel good. And then, I mean, I think this event to me, like in 2018, other than the snatch, the heavy snatch, in test four, to me, this will be the reason why some people go to the games or don't go to the games. That question for you guys. We're through. We're, we're on the third test here. In test one, we see something called hand over hand pull that we're not entirely sure what it is, but it's it's potentially new. Test two, obviously, there's new elements in the ring complex. There's potentially new elements in the um, pistol. It could be, you know, five and five. We don't know. Burpees over box, don't exactly know what that is. Could be something new or different. Come come here, we have the dumbbell bench, all those different potential variabilities to be taken into play with the dumbbell bench. And my my concern is that it's so much new stuff, not just necessarily for the athletes, but for the judges, that is there, you know, is it too much new? Is there introducing too much risk for either the athletes or more importantly, the judges to not be in a position to accurately enforce whatever the standards are at the expense of a competitive, you know, field of mm. level competitive field of play. I think it's only too much new if they get cute with the standards. I think if on the hand over hand sled pull, it's like what we talked about. You can grip with two hands and perform a hip drive. Your feet just have to stay behind this line. Maybe they have two lines. Your feet have to stay between this one and this one. If you step behind the back line, 
it's a no rep. You got to push it back, whatever. Um, same thing with the dumbbell bench. I think if it's essentially the rep starts with it locked out at the top and your hips can't come off the bench, your feet come, can't come or your butt can't come off the bench and your feet can't come up off the floor. One head of the dumbbell has to hit the chest. I, I don't know. I, I, so you can I, paint yourself into a bad position is what I'm saying. So you got to be careful yes, and intentional yes. with the way you write these, the general the sentiments is the, yeah. the simple is better. Yes. And, and this like the thing I'm always saying is like, make it as easy as possible on the judges. If there is something that's weird or new or different or difficult, I'm hopeful that they've sent it to the judges ahead of time, giving them opportunity to either ask questions, see videos from testing so they can understand what's going on and, and really set them up for success. It's, it's so frustrating when it comes down to the judges doing different things on the floor. And you think to yourself, well, why didn't they know in it with enough time to prepare for this, to be able to, to execute what's expected. Well, if you're going to withhold stuff from the athletes, you got to inform the judges. Yeah. Yeah. As you guys are talking, I'm sitting here wondering, especially in the female field, doing weighted muscle-ups, doing weighted dips. With the ring dip standard, right? Do the hips have to move? Do the hips have to go up and down? Or can they just crunch at the waist and bend over and, and, and count that? Because there are going to be competitive regions where maybe half the field doesn't get to the pistols in two of the rounds. And those toe to ring and those muscle ups and those dips are going to be the difference in a lot of spots for some of those. That might be why all the reps count and not just the burpee reps. I I think they will count for sure. Um, And even on the dumbbell bench, you know, like at the top, do the arms have to be in line with the shoulder or can they be wide? Um, I think with the nineties and the sixties, you're not going to have to worry too much about people pressing out to the side. I, I don't know. I always finish with the dumbbells just touching each other. Really? I don't ever touch. I feel like if they touch, you make it easier on yourself at the top. I just, I don't know. I felt like this is, I know they have to touch here. I know they have to touch there. It was like an easy standard for me to, to know I was meeting. Yeah. But yeah, while this is a weightlifting movement, it, it's really interesting to me that I don't think the deadlift or the, or the cleaner is going to be what really matters. going to be how they make 55 bench press. And the transitions, yeah. We can kind of start to say what the limiter is going to be on these workouts. And it'll be interesting to see how many we say is upper body pushing and pulling by the end. Yeah, it's the first three are upper body pulling and pushing to a large degree. That's for sure. And I think that whether you, however you want to count it or not, most likely we're assuming a little bit on the sled here, but that the weightlifting component of each is critical in each of these workouts, even though it's three gymnastics movement, the fact that that ruck is there is going to change the outcome for certain athletes. The sled I'm hopeful does have an impact on the workout. And obviously the third workout is nothing but weights. Cool. Like it, like it so far placement of this one. Yeah, I think it was really purposeful. Again, it's, it, it is seems like kind of an homage to 2018, the last time we had standardized regionals, um, having having that Linda in there. Um, and I definitely don't think it's a mistake to see how you recover the next day after all the pressing to see how the bench press goes. Um, and I think what a lot of people were, were hoping for, I know we were, was some sort of back-to-back, and now we get it in four and five. Want to pull those up, Will? Back to back. So now test four and five, we're generally assuming this is going to be the last event, the last two events of Saturday. 
We've got a 3-2-1 go for load, an 800-meter run, a buy-in. Then in the remaining time of the six-minute window, a max snatch. We're not sure what stipulations are there, how many attempts they have, et cetera, what kind of weights, change plates. At the six-minute mark, they're going to get a two-minute reset. And then at the eight-minute mark, they're going to start test five, eight snatches, then 800-meter run for time, 125 for ladies, 185 for men. What do you think about the weights? What do you think about 125 versus 135 for the women? I think if, if uh, it aggravates me a little bit, we can we can program 135 for the women in quarterfinals, but not at semifinals. What's the overhead squat in test five? Uh, test six. 125 is it? I mean, so yeah. at least that. So at least that's consistent. Continuity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's ease of equipment. I don't know. It is interesting though. Like in the age group semifinals with the seven five three, the chief or DT variant, however you kind of want to think about that workout, they use one thirty five, which mm-hmm. I thought was really good in an all barbell cycling workout. Yeah. Like, um, we don't know. One of the questions we have is: is this a good old fashioned foot race displacement on the floor, which we hope it is, like a loop, or two loops, forty, uh, you know, so the teams uh, do loop yeah. and individuals do two. That'd be but awesome. It, it is. It is. It is odd to me that they chose to use 125 with only running with it. Like there's not something else in it that they may assume would slow people down. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if it feels, if, I, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure. But when it comes to snatching, I've, I'm actually like kind of probably in the middle of the women's semifinal field in, in terms of my capacity. And 125 is a weight that I could, I might, I can probably cycle all eight and take off running with. 135 is much more questionable in that regard. Mm-hmm. So if they're if you're looking for someone that's, you know, if you're looking to program something where it's like most of the field or at least the top half of the field is going to get get out the door at the same time, whatever kind of run this is, and I want them to have to earn it on the run, it's probably the right pick. Just- I think that's the case. I think I think all not all, but I think most of these ladies will be cycling the 125 for touch and go. I think a lot of men will be cycling 185 as well for touch and go. Um, and I think it's going to be just what Jr. said. Like it's just it's an 800 meter run for time, essentially. Uh, with your it does also place a, place a little bit of that premium on execution that yep. you talked about. Yep. If if the top 20 guys, you know for sure they're hitting eight in a row, and you get a no rep on one and have to go yep. again, it's only a couple seconds. But again, depending on how that what that run is, is that a couple seconds that puts you in a compromised position in the track or whatever else, um, or is it a couple seconds that you're not able to get back? So, like we talked about on. The last show, and like we talked about in the article we all wrote, like this, I think, above all things, people want to talk about the gymnastics with Boz, his background, and all the new elements that he's going to want to bring to the table. But this, to me, is classic Boz. Like, this is Boz. You're going to lift, but only after you've done something else. You're rarely ever going to lift not pre-fatigued, and then you're going to have to be able to run fast and lift heavy. Like, that's just, like, something that we've kind of seen now at – many different stages over the last two years at semifinals at um, quarterfinals online, like at the games a couple times, like we know that there's a value put on here. What, what's, what's going to be interesting though. And Taylor, you guys can push back on me too. We know that that workout is probably not going to be done. The second one in less than three minutes. Right. I don't think. Ah, man, here's the thing. It's going to be close, right? Here's the thing, yeah. And, and I just want to bring the- – Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. What if doing quick singles and getting to the run 
five or six seconds after was just going to talk is, about that. is the way to go. Yeah. And so I think you have to touch and go. And then mm-hmm. on the second loop, you just have nothing in the yep. leg. Yep. After maxing, resting two minutes, and then doing eight reps really fast. I do wonder if the winner will be a touch and go person, or it'll be someone that like did four touch and go, took a breath, did four singles, and then hawked everybody on the second loop. Yeah. So I read I read Chase's comments. Like if you're not doing touch and go, you're losing this workout. And I thought, man, the power output that it's gonna take from somebody to do eight touch and go reps is a lot. And then are you gonna have the juice to sprint an 800 and an 800 meter is not a short period of time that you could, I could easily see someone at the 600 meter mark, just fucking tanking. And that's at least 10 seconds, 15 seconds, maybe, maybe even 20 seconds versus somebody who still has the juice to push. And you can do quick singles. I mean, from that 2020, was there a 2021 quarterfinals workout, the nine, six, three burpee box jump over snatch. There were people who did quick singles and did amazing in that workout. They didn't touch and go all the reps. There were people that did touch and go the first nine and then singles on the six and three and flew. Um, So I don't know that touch and go is the make or break. I think by far the important part of the workout is how fast you can run that 800. And I think even more specifically than that, the last 400. Yeah. I think, I think the reason JR is asking the question about the three minutes is probably because of the Chris Hinshaw quote that anything over three minutes, you have to, there has to be an element of pacing. Yep. Is that what you were referring to with that? Yeah, I just think a lot of people are going to get caught up in the eight snatches in the first loop, and they're they're well. Think about any eight hundred meter run yeah. that you ever watched at the Olympics or Olympic qualifier or something like that. Like there are different ways to play it, and there's some guys that like to get out to the lead and and maintain the lead, but there's also this like really really po- kind of popular strategy among some of the best guys that have ever done it to wait to the last two hundred and then just turn on the jets from the back of the pack. And like Taylor said, if someone, you know, has the, the wherewithal yeah. and, and confidence to execute that plan and you couple that with someone who's got 200 meters to go and starts losing control of their legs. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that has happened to me before running on a track yeah. where I have a, less than 100 meters left in a 400 and I've just pushed it so far that like I'm out of control crossing the finish line and uh, forced to slow down because my body can't do it anymore. You can see some big, big swings at the end of that workout. And this is and this is something that I loved that. I practice a lot in my own training and that we're going to see in this workout. And that's any time virtually in CrossFit, any time you're running, being able to modulate and build your pace as you go and finish with your strongest and fastest and best pace at a sprint finish is almost always the way to go. Rarely, rarely are you ever going to get a win or is it going to pay off for you to hit the jets and lose control of the gas pedal? Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. This, this definitely begs to question is eight touch and go the way to go. I don't know that it is, but I know the people that can control the throttle and can build through the first 400 or 500. And then once they get to the 500 mark, start to really pin it are going to do extremely well on this workout. And yeah. Then, like, you know, to Chase's point, like he, he may be right. I know if it was a 400, I would say for sure that eight touch and go really matters. And if yeah. you can't touch and go, you lose. Yeah. But I just think about like, if I know I'm a really good runner and I know I can run a six minute mile pace and I know most of these guys can't run faster than a six ten, well, I'll eat those five seconds on the singles and I'll beat them on the run. And, and, and then yeah. here's the other part is what about the people who can touch and go those eight and are really great runners? Cause there are a few of those in the field as well and they're going to win it. So I think we should probably back up to test four and talk about yeah. I mean, what do you guys think 
number of attempts, how big are the jumps, and what do you think the winning <laughs> what do you think the winning snatches are going to be? Like well, this is wise compared to lead of people's one rep max. There are a lot of comments. I just want to address. There are a lot of comments that are asking like, what what is the max snatch and speculating is that max reps at 185 125 in the remainder of the window uh, again it's unclear other says, than the fact that it says for load and max snatch um so we're assuming it's going to be who has the heaviest lift right? and that's one of those things that the way i originally read this and i know that this is true of some other people as well was was exactly what they those are people were asking yep running 100 yep. max snatches at 185 and i was like oh that's interesting that they're counting it for load instead of reps but that's cool. And then repeat and go the other way. But then I realized, no, that the wording there doesn't lend yeah. itself for that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if, why would you, why would you bother to do eight times 185 when you could just say I got eight? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that um, you're going to see some different strategies on the run, but for the most part, it's going to be, you know, coming in and that around four minutes, just a kind of controlled run, knowing that you have, um, I'm assuming you can set your first weight on the bar before the run. I, I mean, I think it would be silly to not have that at yeah. least as an option and having something on the bar that you, you know, you can hit like that, you know, you can hit. And then basically I'm having in my mind, like two plans based on that. How did, how did that feel? If it felt great, I'm going this way. If it didn't, I'm going this way. So I'm thinking Three to four, four attempts is the, the most anyone takes. Yeah, four, four for sure is the most. Um, to me, like in the male field, if you're between 270 and 280, I think you're safe. But yeah. if you're under that, I think there are log jams. And I really <laughs> wonder if a detail that's being left out is, oh, you thought you could just run an eight-minute mile warm-up? No, you can't because the tie break is the time. You meter run time, yeah. And some people may just say, well, fine, whatever. If I can run... 30 seconds slower and hit 15 more pounds. I'm going to do that. Doesn't matter, yeah. But there are going to be some ties. There are going to be some log jams at some of those lower weights, um, you know, for the, you know, for the ladies too. But I don't think you can, I don't think you can worry about the tie break. If you're in the tie breaks, the run or whatever, yeah. you yeah. got to set yourself up to maximize your snatch. And if you tie with 10 guys and lose all the tie break, that's still better than being five pounds worse. I yep. mean, yep. I agree. What I if think- they told you on this workout that you had to run the, first 800 and 345 or four minutes <laughs> like jackie pro yeah right. that is a i do think that it's a possibility that we That'd see something fucking like awesome that. and that's a great idea will um we don't know but if they score these as two 100 point tests brian well, talked about this there's yeah i mean there's the the the, the, the fact is right right now we we see seven tests we don't know the scoring system. Two out of any two out of seven tests count as twenty-eight and a half percent, and that and if and both of these tests, any way you want to slice it, the athletes are running and they're snatching, and that would mean that almost a third of the entire test is based on the running snatching combo. If they're both worth a hundred points, hmm. I'm not like I, I'm not convinced one way or the other. This is an interesting comment, and I I've seen a couple of events do this where they have a workout that's for max load and you can use a 95 pound barbell or you can use a 225 pound barbell and it's up to you how many reps you get at which and how much weight. Do you think that's a possibility? No, because everyone's just going to put 75 pounds in the bar. <laughs> Does that that's, shake out? I, I've never done the math. Because that's the way you win. You just do 75 
a hundred times. But then are you destroyed for the second part? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. But in most scoring systems, uh, uh, a win and a loss is better than uh, two middle of the roads. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can we get to this, uh, doing some house cleaning, this donation? Do you guys care about this? Uh, why is it that week one athletes are being put at a disadvantage when it comes to knowing all the details about the workouts? Those mm-hmm. on week two and three will know everything. Well, Julian, they're not, I forward. They're not competing against these. So week one's not competing against week two is not competing. I think that's total three. bullshit. I don't, I don't buy that. Everyone really? says that and you're totally right. But what I'm saying is that the level of, we have to consider the level of athlete we're talking about. They are so good that if you give them a day or you give them a week, what can happen changes. And therefore, the entire landscape of the competitive field in week two has, a, has an, as an advantage. And I'm not talking about against each other. I'm saying they have an advantage coming into that workout that the athletes in, don't, in week one don't have that will impact the, the – I think it will impact the outcome of who qualifies for the games. Because I think if you gave all of the athletes in week one a, a week to prepare for the standards, which the week two athletes will have, that there are athletes that would figure it out during that time that won't figure it out in the, in the limited amount of time that they have. That's and so that, and that's where I think it's a, it's kind of a nuance. I'm, I don't know if everyone necessarily understands what I'm saying there. So it's not the fact that you have a disadvantage against the other people that have to figure yeah. it out. I'm saying that certain athletes with an, with a week can do a lot and could, could change their potential to make the games. And the w- athletes in week one don't have that ch- chance while the athletes in week two and three do. And I, I don't like that because they had no choice in when, when we, what week they got to go. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, yeah, you just changed my mind for me. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I think about the athletes who, who went to Rogue, and now Brian's put this thought in my head that maybe they're not pulling a sled. And I'm thinking about the athletes that are in these semifinal fields that also pulled the turtle up the hill. And while you may argue, ah, that didn't really mean a whole lot in that workout, or it was all about the lunge, you know, or whatever, but they still have something to draw on. If they see that that comes out and they're like, oh, well, I've already done this in a workout. None of you guys have. I kind of know that there's kind of a trick to it. Um, whereas if you say what kind of sled you're using, you may have that sled at your gym. You may not, but you have a week to find it and find a gym in the area that has something comparable. And then you're not just like guessing. And if you get lucky, you get lucky. And if not, you're screwed. And, you know, there's, you know, I mean, if, you, if we're going to get to the next workout here soon, where we have this, uh, this legless rope climb from a seated position, which could mean a million different things. And there's a certain group of athletes that were at the games last year and got briefed on up the alpaca workout with that of a very difficult version of the rope climb. Has anyone else seen that? Or, you know, if that standard comes up, those athletes have been able to, to, to know that, or if they can draw back and, or maybe they've been practicing it for a year almost. Mm. And some athletes in North America, East and, and um, Africa are going to have, 48 hours to know what it is and no chance to practice because they're going to be busy doing everything else. I don't know. It's just kind of a, it's a weird thing. Like we want, we want, ultimately I want to see the best athletes perform. And I know that being able to adapt on the fly is a, is a critical component of this sport. But at this stage of competition, if I know that the wet athletes in week three have two weeks to prepare for the standards and athletes in week one have two days, it just something feels off about that if it's this really complex or high high demand skill standard. You know, and what a lot of people love about the standardized programming is that we do get to cross compare. And what we normally see 
is as the weeks go on, as the athletes have more time to prepare, the, you know, the times get beat. And while like Brian would push back and say, you really think anyone in week two and three are going to beat Roman on test one? Maybe not. But if they know what kind of object they're pulling, that's them up for more success to be able to do something that feels more like it. Whereas the athletes in the first week didn't know that, oh, I could have done this at home and really gotten a good feel for it, but I didn't have a good feel for it. The rope was actually thicker, and I pulled a half-inch nylon rope in practice, and after the ski, it felt completely different. That kind of stuff matters when you're talking about the best in the world. And then you're going to have people that aren't as educated on the sport that say, oh, Roman's done. You know, he got beat by all these people in week three. That's supposed to be his bread and butter, when really they're not thinking about the time to prepare and the knowledge ahead of time about what the test actually was going to be. All right, let's move to six. I love this workout. By the way, if we're, if we're keeping track, that's it. Now I would count test four as also being dependent on weightlifting. Yep. And test five, not. Yep. Okay, so we've got test six, a chipper, monostructural weightlifting and gymnastics, a good medley. 20 overhead squats, 185 for the men, 125 for the ladies, a 500-meter row, three handstand walk pirouettes, big asterisk here because we don't know much about them, two seated legless rope climbs, another big asterisk. We don't know much about these. 20 strict chest-to-wall handstand push-ups. I'm assuming if they had decided to use a deficit, they would have denoted that here. Mm. I'm not assuming that. You don't think so? I think it is deficit. You do? I Why do. would they not? because they're intentionally omitting certain details. And I think it's, I don't think it's a deficit from the CrossFit games with the blocks to an arbitrary target. I think, I think this would be like on plates. plates. Yep. Plate plates. Okay. Bring, bring that back up. All right. Then back down the ladder, two seated legless, three handstand walk pirouettes, 500 meter row and 20 overhead squats. This reminds me a lot of King Arthur from Tori and pro only in the sense that I think the last 20 overhead squats are, going to destroy a large part of the field. And I think those are going to play a whole lot bigger of a role than people think when they see that big chunk of gymnastics. I think everybody's looking at that chunk of gymnastics and like, man, that's the workout. But those last 20 overhead squats are, that's heavy for 20, especially after all that gymnastic work. So, this workout, I mean, it's got a got a pretty long time cap. Only one more minute for the women. They're rowing the same distance. We still see the 185, 125. We see the same number of strict upper body pulling reps on the rope. We see the same number of handstand push-ups. I like that. I think it's good. But when I see this workout, I think very, very, very few people are going to be able to make it aerobic at the end. I think so many people are just going to be blunted by their muscle stamina, yeah, their upper body push and pull, that it's not going to be – and there's really nowhere to hide, right? You mm. squat in the beginning, you drive the legs, and then you're on an island for the next five minutes. Yep, yep. Spinning on your – hand balancing, pressing, and pulling. And there's a ton of questions we can get into on this. Um, what would make sense to me is that on one end of the floor, you have your rower and your barbell. They're right next to each other. You have three boxes that are about 25 feet apart. You kick up after, the la after you get off the rower. You turn 360. 
you walk hopefully unbroken into the next box you you turn again you keep walking you turn again and you walk and then on the other end you have your rope and you have your plexiglass and that's where you do your work i really think that they chose to write the word strict and while they could have easily just put chest to wall handstand push-ups which is what they always write or so far this season they made it a point to write strict mm. where they could have just said, Hey, don't try to figure out a way to face the wall and kick because you're not allowed to. They could have just told them that the briefing. I, I think there's a good chance that while it might not be a big deficit, it could just be like a 45 and a 25. Like it could be like a three and a two inch deficit. Um, these athletes all did 21 at the end of a very press dominant workout mm. and 20 in the middle comparatively to the, to, you know, to the legless, I don't know. It just, it feels like it could absolutely be deficit. Well, that, that, and that's what I was thinking is like, clearly he, you know, the handstand pushup in particular is something that is, is becoming a thread through the season. We see a new version in the open that we've never seen. He turns us around in the quarterfinals. Now he adds this word in here and it's the volume similar so it, you know, I'm saying, well, there's, there's some, something's going on. So I would say there's an asterisk next to all the gymnastics movements in here in terms of an element of no, unknown. The way that Jr. describes the pirouettes is beautiful, and I hope that that's how it is on the competition floor. I hope they do mandate some amount of control afterwards, walk a distance, cross a line, and that you can kick down at that point before you go into your next one. But there should be something that some element of advancing. I just think that based on many other competitions I've seen, no matter how good you are at the gymnastics or how ba bad you are at it, those 20 overhead squats on the way back are looming. And I guarantee you that there will be people that completely implode on that set towards those last five reps. And they won't, they won't, they'll be, they'll surprise themselves that it's happening, but I, I can, it's definitely going to happen. And I think you'd be surprised at how good those people are going to be. Like I can, I can already think of several big names that are going to annihilate the gymnastics and then get to that last bar and be like, fuck i'm stuck well, here for a while and look it's okay like you don't have to do those 20 unbroken no. you but can you have a plan failing. there and 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 execute your plan and it's better than risking it and yeah. and suffering the consequences yeah you yeah if you know you're not capable of those 20 overhead unbroken then having a plan and sticking to it even if it's more conservative than not great but I think a lot of people are going to have a plan and they're going to get there and they're going to feel obligated to stick to that plan and it's not going to work and they're going to be fucked, just like you said. <clears throat> There's already been so much pressing. There's been a lot of shoulder. People are a little bit rolled forward from the bench press and the dips, right? There, there's a lot of there's a lot of movements preceding Sunday that are going to set a lot of people up for their shoulders to already be feeling it going into this. Mm. And I, I think that's a hundred percent on purpose too. Um, we didn't really talk about what the legs are going to have after 110 barbell reps, hinging from the floor and squatting in Linda going into those, going into that max effort run and max effort snatch, like that's going to come into play. So the workouts on Friday and Saturday coming into play here on Sunday, I think we can't understate. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who wonder, if the barbell should be heavier and we think back to what was it only 10 total overhead squats at 225 and a regional shipper five at the beginning at 225 five at the end and how hard those five were for a lot of people like these 20 at 185 i think are going to be as hard or maybe even harder maybe yeah. harder i've talked about it on here before lowlands throwdown last year 10 overhead squats at 225 for the men to end the workout and it 
eliminated three people from the cross against <laughs> But not think, in Nico Zanoni. He crushed him. Do you think that's the linchpin of the workout? Or too many no, unknowns? With the mean, there, will, there will be people that there no. will be people that struggle with every element of the gymnastics. There'll be a group of people for whom the the pirouettes and, and distance are challenging. There'll be a p- group of people for whom the legless standard is possibly even too hard to complete. There'll be some that maybe this strict handstand push-up. I mean, we know there are people that that they're, they took a massive hit on the strict handstand push-up workout in, in quarterfinals relative to everything else. That was true for Alex Vigneault. It kept Willie George out of semifinals. You know, you got to think about someone like Laura Horvath here. How hard is that that middle part of this workout going to be for her, and how much of a hit is she going to take there? I don't think it's it's risking her missing the games, but I think that this workout in and of itself makes her likely to not win the European regional or semifinal. Yeah, that's a that, that that unknown element is is really it's gonna keep a lot of people waiting, wondering what kind of chest to wall it is. Is it the open standard? Is it on plates? Um, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And just thinking about the rope climb, I know we're trying to stay away from the team stuff, but you you have to look for some parallels. The teams are required for each athlete at the beginning of their workout to do one seated legless. If it is only one followed by in their workout two legless each and then followed by three with legs each you can assume that that one rep is probably going to be as hard of a standard as you can come up with Mm -hmm. whether it's maintaining an l starting below a line both hands get to a line control the descent in the l all the way under the first line like the hardest way you could think about it is the way i think all the athletes should be practicing it because if there's that much value for teams he knows there's gonna be people that don't go to the crossfit games because of that first movement after the squats and the burpees if that's the case i think he knows that that many people may not go to the games because of these reps on the seated legless for individuals and taylor what and what i was saying is you know the gymnastics will be hard and there will be people that get caught up there but anyone who makes it to those overhead squats no matter how good or not you were at the gymnastics stuff i still think especially at this point in the weekend that that like, don't take those 20 spots yeah. for, for granted. It's a sticking point. Cool. And last thing I want to say about that, Will can pull it up. Like when the alpaca was released and we didn't get to see those rope climbs happening, people were like, oh, this is another new thing. Guys, this is 20 years ago. This is 2003. The only time rope, climb, <laughs> rope climbs were programmed, you can go back and look. I've looked. They were almost always programmed from an L position. And these in this workout are 14, basically two for ones to 25 feet. Like this is, this is a game's workout. This workout. When, when people, t- when people tell me that, dude, that workout you wrote is too hard. I was like, do you fucking read main site ever? Like these are not new things. <laughs> this like this idea of like a seated legless and all that kind of stuff. Like you just got to go back and look like they're, there are workouts that you could you would see on main site 20 years ago and just be like, did Greg write that because he knew probably no one could do it? Or could <laughs> could he do it when he was a gymnast? Like, you know what I mean? It's like there are a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there and Boz has talked about, like, he knows. He knows his stuff. Like he knows his history and he's he's pulling it all back. I was looking back, this is just a side note. I was looking back at Main Site a while ago and there was a week maybe in 2009 or 2008 
where every workout was like Nicole style. It was a 20 minute AMRAP, a 400 meter run or a 500 meter row and max reps of something or this amount of reps of something. It was Monday through Sunday or Monday through Saturday. It was crazy. But have you guys ever seen climbed a 25 foot rope? I don't even think I've even been in a gym that has one outside of like no. ours do. Yeah, he's, like, he's... Our ceilings to 25 feet. And let me tell you, it's so it's not necessarily what you would think. One, it's scary as fuck. <laughs> it's so scary getting to the top. But the higher you climb with your feet, the heavier the rope gets. So your foot pinch gets harder and harder and harder. And by the time you get to the 25-foot mark, it's like you're pulling up a 60-pound weight with your bottom foot and trying to clamp. It's fucking weird. Uh, but we have them, and I've done them. But you're not allowed to use your uh, legs on these 25-foot rope climbs, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd, I would probably not try to climb the 25-foot legless if I was being – intelligent <laughs> all right last workout test seven yeah finale three rounds for time 15 calories for the guys 10 for ladies on the echo bike 20 toes to bar 60 foot sandbag bear hug carry 150 for ladies 200 for men what do you guys think about this as a finale <clears throat> enough of a show enough separation well you know what we're I, I feel like the time domain is predictable for a for a final workout of a qualifier to the games i'm okay yep. with it it creates for drama excitement you know close races and people you know risking it a little bit a lot of times we see the decreasing style you know 30 20 10 3 2 1 type whatever it is um i kind of like that it's a little different here. that's three you know because a lot of times in that last round like things just Couple. happen so fast yeah. This is like the, each round is the same. So even in that last round, there's an element of drama that can that can un, you know play itself out. Um, I I mean I I know that it's completely different. I just like I was really surprised to see the echo bike come up in two out of seven tests. I know, I know. And we'll talk. I guess we can talk a little more about it when we finish with this workout. But running in three workouts, echo bike in two workouts. It's interesting. I'm not, I'm also man. I love the thruster, the thruster rope climb, thruster muscle up, thruster whatever finale. Um, I I don't know. I guess I think of the rogue sandbag carry workout, and there was a lot of drama in that workout. People flying on the bag, eating shit. So that was cool. <laughs> and and I'm and I think there's potential for quite a bit of that here after the twenty toaster bar. A lot of people when they go to pick up that bag, they don't worry about getting a secure grip. They just grab the bag like this. And after you've done sixty toaster bar in your last round, who's gonna drop the bag on accident and stumble over it? I think I think there'll be enough drama. I, I think I like it in terms of it's gonna be exciting to watch. But is does it introduce anything new that we haven't seen yet in the test? And I don't know that necessarily it does. We've got Echo Bike again. We've got more grip. I guess to the ex you know, we don't have GHDs, so we have toes to ring, which is, you know, kind of similar to the toes to bar. I, I you know, moving a distance from A to B, we have the sled. So it's just I yeah, go it yeah, going into this going into these last two tests, not knowing what they were, anyone that was asking me, of course I'm trying to think of things that'll support some predictions, but I'm thinking to myself, as much as he's harped on trunk flexion this year, I said, well, there's GHDs left. There's toes to bar left. There's knees to elbow knees left. To elbow. Yeah. And there's, you know, 
there's GHDs, you know, there something will come out. And while I don't think it's a problem that you already have some toaster ring weighted and then you do toaster bar, I think it's fine. I wouldn't have thought it would be toaster bar. Yeah, neither would I have. I, I, or, man. or, or else it, I thought maybe it was a possibility. Yeah. That, that, would... that workout you, you mentioned to me a while ago, so fun. You, JR came up with this workout. It was like a, one, two, three, or 10, 20, 30 rep scheme, but it was a one minute else it hold into 20 unbroken clean and jerks or snatches at a certain weight, like 135 or something like that. And then 30 calories on the echo bike. Yeah, I don't know. You wrote that. And I told the people that, that added me, I was like, that, that does not look like anything I ever wrote. You literally, okay, well, you didn't write it. You talked, we talked about it on the phone and you were just spitting it out of your mouth. And I was like, man, I thought about it like on a deeper level. I was like, that is a disgusting workout. That would have been cool having an L sit for time in there, like you know, a set amount of seconds. But yeah, so this is what I kind of see though when I when I see this workout, I think it's really easy to overlook it. And mm -hmm. all of us know that the workouts you overlook are the ones that Nastiest. are the most and the ones that are yeah. hardest harder than you think. I actually think this workout is slower than we think. I don't think it. I think the people who pace this correctly will build as the workout goes on. Like I think the people who start out at a 95 or a 90 on the bike will lose. I think the three rounds of it really, really baits people with those small, oh, only 15 cows. Oh, only 20 toes to bar. Oh, only a six second carry. That's not going to be a big deal. But I think I'm under tension of all three. Like by round three, some people will fade on this workout. Especially, and even though yeah. it is a sub five minute workout, it's not an all-out sprint. It is not an all-out sprint. This is not 45, 60, 180. Three rounds are complete, is completely different. Yeah. And I, I think, think this, I mean, this workout screams Justin Medeiros. I wrote that this article about him uh, and his just ability to do this. And I split every workout that he did at the games into thirds. This one obviously splits nicely into thirds. But in his heat, expect them to be fifth after the first round, third after the second round, and first at the end of the workout. And if you're the person that can do that, do it in this workout. Yeah. And what I think will be hard is for the people who are like known in the community as being like, oh, the echo bike is going to be a separator, right? If you can get all five seconds faster every time, you're not going to be able to make up any time on the 60 toes of or the carry. Those are the guys that are going to win it. Do they, do they know that? And do they say, okay, well, everyone's expecting me to sprint this bike. That's what I have to do. Or do you have someone that's like, no, no, no. That's not how you win it. You win it by sprinting the last bike. So, I don't know. I, I when, when I saw Echo Bike, like I said at the beginning of the show, I thought that biker would have fit perfectly for event one. It's a longer, it's for distance. It's got that longer, sustainable feel. I think Echo Bike is, is more suited for a workout like this. I think it's perfect. Really rewarding power output, rewarding someone that's going to take a risk. Um, but yeah, I mean, now's probably a good time, right? You can add everything up. Yeah, let's look at, let's look over at. Well, the, the, the last thing to, to just to consider is it's the last workout, which means that there's a lot on the line. People will understand what they need to do, what they can afford to do, what they can't afford to do, and so people will have to risk it. So for certain certain athletes, whatever the optimal strategy to maximize your time on this workout is, it might go out the window because if if you realize, well, that might not be good enough anyway. So you're going to see, you know, you'll see some strategies in this workout that are dictated by circumstance. And, and in, in some cases it might pay off. And in some cases 
people will take the risk and, and, and then they'll plummet down the leaderboard because of that. Last workout two of the weekend, the last 20 toes to bar, maybe kind of a sneak attack too, for some people. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, but on the subject of the machines, I think it is important that we kind of, we look at some things that people are talking about. Boz loves to go heavy when you're under fatigue. Boz loves these high-level gymnastic skills. Boz has shown that he really, really doesn't um, – he doesn't leave out monostructural until the games, that's for sure. So I think in the past, that's kind of what we've seen. We can look back. 2013, 2014, two monostructural at regionals. 2015, 2016, 2017, three monostructural at regionals. Two of those three were in the same workout both years. The only year that there were more than three, 2018, and one of them had three in the same workout, triple threes. Mm. And then it had Cal Assault Bike in the chipper on Sunday. This regional has seven. Jesus. <clears throat> With no jump rope. With no jump rope. With, and usually in all those years, 2013 to 2018, ju- double unders was one of them. And I think every year. So, I mean, I think it's great. I think one of the most frustrating things is to know that running is going to be tested in at least two ways, maybe three at the games. And we get a lot of people at the games that can't run because they were only tested on it maybe once. Well, everyone likes to gripe about the shuttle runs and maybe just, you know, justified, but he definitely values running. And he said in a podcast, you can't test fitness without running. Well, we see running is in three of the seven, right? Biking is in two. Right. We see more machine work and a lot of people. I mean, this is really polarizing, too, just as much as some of the things that are being brought back from the early years of CrossFit. Like, is there too much monostructural now? Is there too much machine work? Do you guys think that the machines matter in all of these or do you think they're just there to govern pace and to give opportunities for, you know, risk taking? This is what I would say. I personally love the amount of monostructural in this programming i think in some events there's too much monostructural balanced with the level of skill or however important the opposing modality is like you know think about like some of the macro syndicate workouts last year which seemed to be just a high degree of machine and grunt work machine grunt work machine grunt work i don't think that's the case here you have the handstand pirouette you have the seated legless you have the deficit wall facing the heavy overhead squats you have a lot of weightlifting and gymnastic movements the ring complexes all those things that matter so much i don't think the monostructural outweighs it or takes over the test personally in, te- in test six do you think the leaderboard changes at all with the 1k of rowing no no zero so, so what do you think the rowing is in there for? Make you a little more tired before you get to the gymnastics. And yeah, see, I, little- I, I, think it's, I think it's put there because one of the things Boz has talked about a lot is, right, the 10 general physical skills and those bottom four being things that when you're fatigued, when your heart rate is high, automatically can go away. Yep. Because they're not as drilled into, yep. your, into your neurosystem. So like going from the row into your pirouette, yep. it's just going to make you a little bit more unbalanced, right? It's going to make yep. you just a little bit doing that kind of stuff at a high heart rate is when you see things deteriorate. So I think like 
that's placed very purposefully right. I mean, it's a good them. parallel with the first test of this season, the the twenty three point one repeat, where you have sixty calorie row, the buy in. You don't think too much about it, but what what is the subtle way that it affects you going into the rest of that workout? I mean, there are a lot of people that will say, "Man, those cleans were the hardest cleans at that weight I've ever done." And you look, you say, "There's really nothing that crazy before it." Some maybe it just does have that sneaky effect, and mm-hmm. you know, I would be curious to know if he tested the workout without the row and with the row, and got some feedback and decided, no, no, we got to keep it in. I mean, the worst case scenario is, well, we need to make we want this workout to be a couple of minutes longer. Let's just put a row in. And I don't think that's that bad of a scenario because you get a good stimulus out of it, regardless. I think. I think it does it it does add a little bit of um, adds a little bit for the crowd while people will say they don't want to sit and watch someone row and be like, Oh, well, I know they're going to get off in like about two minutes, but waiting on the hand in the air for two athletes that are Mm -hmm. rowing and wondering if someone's making up time and then they both get off the rower at the same time, going to the last barbell, who's going to pick it up first versus, Oh yeah, they're just ahead. They just got done with their handstand walk. They're about to go back to the bar. There's no suspense there. It does add a little bit of uncertainty. Like, can they make up five or 10 seconds that they lost on this row? And will it pay off at rep 15 on the overhead squat? Or will it end up being the reason why they break the overhead squat? I had kind of started the, the trend of you know, telling me, for me, it feels like the weightlifting component of test one is critical. The added weight component of test two is critical. The weightlifting in test three is that's all there is. In test four, it's from it's a max load of snatch where we're assuming you're through weightlifting that matters. So you're starting off with like the weights mattering in a lot of these workouts. And we look in the back end, I think the run matters in test five. Test six, I think is I think the gymnastics is probably the most critical. I mean, I know I spent a lot of time talking about the yeah. overhead squats at the end. And it, to me, test seven is how bad do you want it? Like how much are you willing to hurt when everything's on the line? So I can and I kind of see a, a little bit of a um, inverse relative to the games last year where there was a lot of kind of skill and other things early on. And then you saw heavy, heavy, heavy at the end where the athletes that accepted the weightlifting were able to climb the leaderboard a little bit. And so, I don't know, it was just kind of a, an overall trend I was looking at. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm like thinking too hard about it, but. You think it's balanced? <sighs> it feels to me like, like uh, it favors the stronger athlete. The, the totality of the testing hmm. the you know there's some there's certainly some big question marks about how difficult the gymnastics wound up being and i think that the answer to that is somewhat critical before giving a fair assessment of how yeah. balanced it is so if you think the seated legless are the hardest standard and the deficit strict are or the strict are deficit in that scenario it's a balanced test <clears throat> it's like the things that matter are how hard are the sled pull, mm, you know, yeah, how, yeah. how much of a factor is that? Um, is, you know, what, what's the limiting factor in workout two? Mm. I'm not sure what it is for the general field, which I think is great. You know, it, it, and are we saying, well, that's the, that's the gymnastics. That's a limiter. And it's like, well, but if we took the ruck away, how much different would this leaderboard look? Then it's like, I don't know. And then, you know, I think that in the middle portion, there's some more obvious things that are being tested from the, from Linda and then test four and five test six to me is a giant question mark. I'm hopeful that the gymnastics are extremely difficult and limiting, 
there's still be athletes in both fields that will, no matter how hard it is, will be able to move through that steadily and, and show some excellent performances. But it feels like it has to be relative to everything else that's, that, that appears to be the critical components of the workouts. So I don't know yet up in the air. Do you like it generally looking at the programming initial reactions or maybe not so initial reactions after sitting on it, thinking about it, do you like it as a whole for semifinals to accomplish the goal of getting the fittest of the games? There were some things that I was really hoping we would see at least some of, and mm. we did. Um, but I would say I like it because it's so different. Yeah. It's very different than anything that we've ever seen as far as a streamlined competition goes. There are things like, yeah, you can call those four and five a couplet, but like we're never coming back to either movements. Yeah. Like they're not there. And Boz, he, he's, he's showing more of a Kim in his programming, right? Last chance qualifier, thruster into max bar muscle up, rest a second, bar muscle up into max thruster. It's the same format. Like yep. it's presented a little differently, but it's still a very similar format. And it's something that we never really saw in competition beforehand. Yep. So while he's kind of playing off of those, um, like an inverse relationship workout type thing like that, I think it's really cool because it's not like, oh, are we going to see a wall ball pull up into a pistol power clean, right? That is that is not anything like that back-to-back <laughs> workout is, right? It's They're both back-to-back and we don't even know how they're scored. That's the it's it's very it's very different. It feels very different. And I think because of that, it'll end up being a good thing because going into it, we can't say. Oh, they're probably a front runner for that. They're probably a front runner for that. There are a few of those, but like if Brian knows the athletes better than anybody, I guarantee there's a few tests that Brian's scratching his head. Like, I don't even know. I can't even draw from any other competitions on these workouts. We're trying. I, I, I like it. And I think it's more balanced maybe than you initially may think. I think to Brian's point, to a degree, I think it favors the bigger athletes, but I think it favors the bigger athletes who are also really good at gymnastics. So maybe not the traditional big athletes. So think of someone like Jason or Roman. They're good enough at gymnastics to do really well at the games. They're good enough at gymnastics to win semifinals. So it's a really maybe biased slightly toward an athlete like that, but I don't think it's biased generally towards the big athletes. Like I think of a guy like Zach Watts, who if it's just grunt work and conditioning and heavy weights, he's going to crush it. And if there's any skills, he's fucked. I think there's enough skill and enough gymnastics. Maybe there's a slight bias, but I don't know. I like it. I think it's relatively balanced. And I think to what JR said, it's so different. There's so <laughs> many things that are challenging and we haven't seen before in competition that make me love it. Um, from the dumbbell bench to the seated legless to the hand over hand pull uh, at the semifinal level, I, I'm excited. I th- and I'm and more than anything, I'm excited to watch each workout. And it's been a long time since I've been able to say that about a semifinal. I think with two, three, and six, with the rings, with the dumbbell bench, and with the gymnastics in the middle, that's going to be enough hmm. to say, oh you didn't deserve one of those spots. Yep. I think that's between those three people are going to get weeded in that. Hey, if it wouldn't have been for that one workout, we'll say that about a handful of people. The yep. first weekend, if it wouldn't have been for that one workout, they would have made it. And we don't know, but maybe that's what the programming is really written for is to make sure those last few spots are ones that are going to be able to go to the games. And as Brian said before, take the test 
and do well on the test that they're about to take. Like, hey, you can't get through this ring complex. Well, you guys are going to do back rolls to support at the games. Like, wh- why am I confident that you can do that if you can't do some toes to ring and ring dips? Like, I, I don't know. Like, maybe that's the reason. The last element of the work that I, I really do like is that I feel like he's really testing the athlete's ability to recover. Yeah. Not just workout to workout, but movement patterns that interfere. You snatch heavy and you snatch fast. Then you overhead squat the next morning. Mm-hmm. Then you strict handstand push up in the middle of it. And then you got to overhead squat again and show that stability in the same yeah. movement pattern again at the end of the work. Like there's some sneaky components mm-hmm. of that. I think he's hitting a good amount of time domains. You know, he goes long, he hits a back to back. There's an interval style workout. Like there are, I think there are a lot of different elements of that that I'm happy to see expressed here. That my biggest concern is the presentability. Like you can really lose or win at the semifinal level, the spectacle of it mm-hmm. by the floor layout and what you're able to achieve. I know that, I, I mean, in my mind, I'm, I'm like convinced that it's going to be shuttle runs for the 800 meter run. And I, which I would, I would hate to see it. But if yeah. you think about having it at seven different semifinals and seven different venues and seven different continents over three different weekends, do you have a space that you can actually snatch, get off the floor, run some laps and get back to the finish line at each of those venues and make that happen? I mean, if you can, that's going to be one of the most exciting environments that I've ever been in at a CrossFit event. I mean, I could not imagine the excitement watching them run laps, yeah. knowing it's on the line on a Saturday night. And if it shuttle runs up and down the floor and that's all you can do with logistics. So they're like, that's an ele- it's an element of this stage of competition with a show. And like we've talked about, there are certain things that seem pretty obvious that make it very easy to understand the storytelling, a nice appealing spectacle for people at home or at, at, um, at, that it happened to go there. And I hope that all, they're all sold out and packed in, in great environments. Um, so I would say that overall, I'm happy with it. I really like that recoverability thing, the, the way that that's tested throughout this. And I'm hopeful that there's uh, there's plans in terms of the execution that allows for really exciting things that I think we're all expecting. Yeah, and like I think that like for, for me, the thing I like the most is is that there is a lot of monostructural being tested to get people to the games. And the variance in all the different movements, I think is really, really strong in seven tests. You have a lot of grunt work movement, right? You have sandbag carry, you have hand over hand, you have burpees that are weighted. That's, that's grunt, right? You've got some really, really high level gymnastics movements, especially that are dense in test six. And then you've still got some like classic barbell cycling, in two of the workouts, one's only has eight reps, but there's a ton of barbell cycling to watch and test. Linda, yeah. And then, you know, there's 40 overhead squats in, in, in test six. So I, I think the variance is there too. Yeah. And like you said earlier, midway through the show, JR, you have to be precise. You know, you ha- you, there's not a lot of room for error on some of these things. And he, we know he values that, that high level of execution. And I feel like in, in addition to everything else we've talked about, he's woven that in. So I'm, I'm overall very impressed and super excited to see what the athletes do with some of these. Agreed. I love it. Any other final thoughts? We good? I would just say this because JR talked about it earlier. You know, it, even though like it, we'll just take the example of Roman that you use, like Roman in week three would probably beat Roman in week one. But I feel that so, that some of the way these tests are, 
that we're still going to get, we have, and this happened in regionals too, where occasionally you'd get a specialist going in week one that was set a time that was never beat or a score that was never beat. And just knowing that North America East is going first, especially on the women's side, I will not be surprised if between the men and women combined, which would be 14 total records in week one, if we see three, three or four last the entire duration of semifinals. Even though you think that they're at an unfair advantage with the standards. Yeah, I mean, just I'm just just looking like between, the level of athletes. Like it seems to me like between Mal O'Brien and Daniel Brandon and Emma Carey and Emma Lawson, Alexis Raptis, Amanda Barnes, like there's that that's like six of the top ten women in the world going in week one. Like one of them is going to do something on some of these workouts that's just insane. Jason and Roman are some of the best in the world. Jeff Adler can put up some insane. I mean, who knows? Like Jeff Adler might set a score on Linda that just doesn't, no one beats. Like we'll see. You know, yeah. it'll be crazy. It'll be fun. JR, anything else? Any last words? Final words of wisdom? Um, a blessing, maybe, on the chat? <laughs> I, I chat at all. You're not stop looking at that. So I don't know. <laughs> I have a lot of polydent in here right now. I take out the two, but that's going to happen. <laughs> the best part is that sometimes when it goes quiet because you're on your iPhone, you can hear all the crickets in the background. It's like perfect. Or the cop, whatever they are. Frogs, I'm sorry. Frogs, yeah. The frogs go crazy. Taylor, any last words? It's going to be fun to watch. I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to Africa. Taylor and I are going to Africa, flying out next week. So we'll be posting a lot. Following, obviously, Taylor's coaching Michelle. We're following Michelle. Posting stuff on our YouTube, hopefully every day. Posting a lot from Michelle's uh, Instagram account. So check that out. Go check out Brian's website, befriendly.com. Posting tons of great content, especially as he's had all his takes on workouts as they come out and stuff like that. I'm sure there'll be a lot coming up. Go sign up for a free trial of self-made training program. We have our SMTP Compete and SMTP 60 programs. So there's something for everyone. Uh, so you can go to that self-made training program.com. Thanks to everyone that donated money. I know we didn't really we didn't really have a uh, ground rules on if what we're doing there, but I'm sure someone, <laughs> <laughs> someone appreciates it. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate uh. whatever that word is, however you say that. But we appreciate it too. Sorry if we didn't read your name. Funny. We didn't make crude jokes about it. Apologize hey, if that's what you're looking for. And if you guys in the chat have any ideas or topics that you maybe would like to see or have interest in being covered on one of these shows coming up, me and JR are not going to have like a set schedule or anything. We're just going to do these when we feel like doing them and have fun talking about shit that we like to talk about. So, you know, if you guys have any stuff that might spark an interesting conversation and me and JR like it, um, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we, about this. we made an Instagram account. We'll see where we go with that, but you can also just DM either the self-made training program account, Taylor's account, JR's account. I don't know. Brian may be here. Who knows? Brian's a mystery, but I think that's all we got. So thanks everyone for joining. I mean, pretty awesome to have so many people watching. Thanks Sevon for giving the platform and huge I mean, thanks. what a huge blessing to be able to do a show and just come in and have an audience that's already here we know that you guys are all here because of Sevon's hard work so we appreciate him uh, letting us jump on his pirate ship so thank you guys and bye bye